0: In 2015, internet was hit by a Kung Fu time-travelling Miami cup from the 80s, hellbent on finding Adolf Hitler, aka Kung Fuhrer, and constantly running into robots, laser raptors and Norse gods, all in glorious VHS style. The film Kung Fury looked like nothing anyone had ever seen before. Or more exactly, it did look like something everyone had seen before back in the 80s, but put together in such a whimsical rollercoaster over-the-top way that it felt all new and totally not new at the same time. In other words, totally unique. It was, of course, an instant hit with millions of YouTube views, and it sent the director David Sandberg on a straight path to Hollywood and meeting rooms filled with Schwarzeneggers and Spielbergs. The visual effects of Kung Fury were made here in Stockholm by Goodbye Kansas Studios in those days called Fido and a group of devoted film-loving VFX wizards. So how on earth did they do it? Welcome to Yellow Brick Road and the art of VHS VFX. Hi, everyone. I'm Nils Lagergen, and this is Yellowbrick Road, your favorite destination in the world of visual effects. Today, we're going to go back to the 80s, or at least to the style of the 80s. We're going to talk Kung Fury and how all those visual effects were made. And I have by my side two experts who stood right in the middle of the Kung Fury VFX production, VFX producer Matilda Olsson and VFX supervisor Cameron Scott. Mm. Welcome. Hello. 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 Matilda, Confurius, uh, yes. you, was your first uh, assignment at uh, Fido or Goodbye Sure Kansas? was.
1: <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what
0: did you think when you first were approached with that project?
1: It was. Uh, I had no idea what was going on. Basically, <laughs> I started and I got this uh, like rough cut with all concept art, basically like rough sketches, not really concept art. Um, like the first day I was here, I was like, yeah, you're going to do this. And it's like, yeah, this is a 50-minute movie. It's going to uh, be cut to 30 minutes, and it's all Nazis and dinosaurs and Vikings, and here you go. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> so it was, it was a weird first week at work. Uh, it was kind of a big change for my previous job. But I was, like, trying to hide my computer all week, I remember, because I always, was only looking at Nazis and swastikas <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. So I tried to like hide the computer all the time. But then I started to realize that this is happening on every computer in this studio right now. So not only. And
0: the film project itself was was the brainchild of David Sandberg uh, and he made uh, himself more or less a, a Kickstarter trailer That that yeah. kind of... So I've heard successful.
1: about I've heard about the project before because I have friends that uh, was backers to the project on Kickstarter. So, and I've seen the trailer before I started, so I knew what it was. Uh, it's it was huge, <laughs> right before <laughs> it, it was even made. And crazy, and, 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 uh, yeah. And, yeah and, crazy.
0: and then David came to us, and in the end, we did well the rest of the visual effects, like ninety percent of them. But but Cam. Uh, this entire film is more or less a 30-minute roller coaster ride of VFX shots. So, so how do you plan such a production? Uh well in this case it,
2: this this project was far from any normal production we had. Uh so normally what we would do was before before any film uh, gets started we would be on board and talk to the directors the uh, the, the production producers and, and plan it from there before they start shooting. But in this case, David had already shot everything and he did an enormous amount of work. Uh, he provided us with a, as Matilda said, a, uh, a long, was it 50 minutes? I it? think it was okay, 50 minutes. long yeah. <laughs> previews, which was basically he included all of his footage um, of the green screen shots as well as storyboards uh, which was an enormous undertaking, just as it is, so we had the backbone of the production planned out in the previous, and so and he gave that to us together with all all like a an enormous box filled with hundreds of takes mm. um and from there, we would just go through shot by shot and plan bit by bit, and uh so it, I think
1: we did like a four-day breakdown of the entire movie with David. Hmm. Uh, it was you and me and our compositing lead, Daniel, hmm. and David who sat and just went through every shot every of shot. the take, like during four days, Yes. just and we to would map everything out. Break and, it down. What's yeah. happening
2: here? What do you want in the background? What What is this? Yeah. Exactly. Um, was every shot a VFX shot? I think... Almost. The, there was maybe one or two shots that didn't have a VFX shot. There was so there was like a, a shot of someone's eyeball, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, so there was no background, <laughs> and that still, was sort of yes, there's no there's no VFX
1: shot. We still needed to add a treatment to every shot, oh, so they all right. went through. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> they all went through the pipeline in one way or another.
2: Everything had to look like it was shot on a on a videotape.
1: Yeah,
0: How did you create the, that look? The VHS loop. <laughs> that was... Um,
1: Authentic VHS. Yes, <laughs> <What>? that's right. <laughs> I had to bring in my VHS player because I'm the only person in the world who still has one. <laughs> 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 and then I got a converter from my grandfather uh, that could digitalize the, the whatever video was in there. And I had one VHS tape left. Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. <laughs> <You remember? laughs> it was like... The classic. Recorded from TV, basically. So it had all the noise and everything you want. And we did like a session with Daniel. And
2: yeah, we recorded white yeah. noise as well. Yes yeah, at exactly. the end of the tape and just... Uh, so we get the proper static yeah. look. Yeah. With but the, then, Daniel uh, Nolan. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The, our lead compositor, he, he uh, actually developed a and nuke scripts to oh, to reconstruct the noise of a VFX, a VHS tape, and he, he broke it down into the minutest detail what happens to the color, how much do the pixels shift left and right, and what type of noise does goes up and down and I think we had a, a an enormous widget in in nuke, our compositing program where we could dial in how much of noise type A and how much of noise type B and how much the signal would get shifted left and right. And there was an enormous amount of controls that you could do. And from that, we would present a a treatment and David could say, oh, a little bit of this, a little less of that. Mm. And then he was very specific in some scenes. He would use this this, uh, destruction of the signal, if you will, almost the same way that george lucas uses the wipe tool
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so we have
2: to go from one scene to another or to have a to fast forward through a certain scene he would sort of say okay crank up the noise here
0: Hmm. but but, but some shots were were almost practically full cg didn't it like Break your heart to like first do them and then trash them (laughs) VHS? Well,
2: yeah. But I mean, by that stage, we were so into this Mm. that it was more, let's see how far we can take it. And so we knew from the beginning that this was going to be the look of this was what it was. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to look like it was uh, shot on VHS. Someone found it, the tape, and pressed play. On their TV, and that was what David said at the beginning. So we knew about it, and that's mm. just. Once and also, you...
1: it's a good and bad thing because it's it's good if you want to hide stuff, as well, <laughs> yeah. and it's bad because you spend a lot of amount of time to make something great, mm. and then it, some like a lot of things disappear in the. There's a uh, sequence where uh, Kung Fury fights the arcade bot. <laughs> and that's mm. super trashed with VHS noise, uh, and a lot of those shots actually look really, really good without yeah. it. So,
0: it, yeah, in that way, it's a shame.
1: Yeah, it's a shame sometimes. Mm. But
0: was the film ever released on VHS?
1: Yeah. Yes. It was. It's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> you can still buy it if you want. Yeah. I need. To have Wasn't a
2: there talk of yeah. releasing it on a laser disc as well?
1: Yeah, I think oh, so, but it, I disc- don't think they could find a producer for it. I'm not sure. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, totally yeah I, cool. I know
1: they talked about it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it happened.
0: Or... But uh, this VHS style is like, it's, it's not constant through the film. It's like different sequences have different kind of looks. How did you come about that?
2: Uh, that was uh, mainly thanks to this widget that, that Daniel had had developed and it was up to David who had planned out the entire film meticulously so he, he knew exactly what type of look this sequence would have and what that type of look, uh, what type of uh, look that another sequence would have and it was just up to him to decide and of course the the further we came along with the production here we get a, a clearer idea himself and so mm. he, we were just Constantly be adjusting it here and there,
1: and he's always creating stuff in his mind. That's so, right. Yeah. So it, the whole project changes a lot during the the whole process. Hmm. Uh, we had a lot of changes hmm. uh, through the entire thing, and I think we recut it like a, a, lot, of a lot of times. A lot of times. I think the last edit was like five days before release or something. Yeah. Um, and David, his. He's so creative, he always wants to um, make stuff better Mm. and he thinks of new things every day and wants to add them or take something out and uh, the entire project was very organic in that way. Uh, It's hard to plan out everything uh, which we figured out pretty early on in the process. Uh, it,
2: it was an enormously creative process yeah. and I think that was both uh, a, a blessing and a curse It was, it's hard to plan of course but then just because there's so much love in this project it was I- enormously rewarding for every artist and there was yeah. this I think we had such a good feeling and mood throughout the whole production it was really quite invigorating
1: yeah and David is also very open to mm. changes so we could always like add our own suggestions to things and he would listen and take that in and and change things according to what what we thought would work best as well which was really good throughout the process that it could be that sort of collaboration I think
2: you could always tell when he really liked an idea. He'd, yeah, <laughs> he'd, he'd start jumping up and down like a little boy. It was really, really good, and his enthusiasm was just uh, uh, un- unbreakable. It was fantastic.
1: Chief McNichol speaking.
0: Is this the police?
2: Yeah, this is the police. Crack you!
0: Did you have like specific uh, reference films from the eighties, or the style and look?
1: I think that there was a lot of them all the time. Uh, David has his own favorites, uh, and I think it's a mix between everything. There's a lot of Schwarzenegger movies in there, mm. and some Back to the Future stuff. And
2: he had some specific references for very specific parts. Uh, for example, a hand-drawn lightning. Yeah. He knew that that was going to come from this movie and he bring it up and say, this is what it has to look like.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and then...
1: He has this enormous library of references, uh, which is, as you said, it's very particular things from specific movies. So it's not like, I like the look of Indiana Jones or no. whatever. Uh, I want this lightning or I Mm. want this kind of dinosaur. I want the Viking from, like, I want his foot to step in the way that it's very, very specific Mm. and very well, like...
0: He had a vision.
1: Yeah, Mm. absolutely. A
0: strong vision. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so the challenge was partly that the entire film was more or less shot when you got the material and what was shot on green screen not perfect green screen i understand or yeah i think it, it did have it i mean it it is
2: it, to be fair if you look at any production that we do mm-hmm. quite often the green screen is not perfect mm-hmm. it's it's a quite a challenge to get a perfect green screen to light a green screen you need experience and and money and time to set that up properly and i, I think it, David was sort of, uh, he, oh, he he did it basically by himself with like three or four other guys and and it's really challenging to do, to get proper clean green screen when you, mm-hmm. when you just mm-hmm. got a certain amount of budget and time.
0: It
2: so, was set
1: up in his office. It was like one green, uh, basically one green cloth in like four times four meters or something set up in his office and with one person in front of it all the time on a treadmill or whatever. Mm. And so it's, it's hard to m- make it perfect when you have limited resources. Yeah. And I think he did the best of what he could. Uh, it was quite fun looking through every like singular <laughs> person <laughs> against the green screen. I had this week that I was going through every Nazi. So I had to categorize them in different folders, like confused Nazi. Clapping Nazi, happy Nazi, dead Nazi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was that for the bunker scene?
1: Yeah, that was for the bunker scene.
0: But but it was only one extra, wasn't it?
1: I think they had two, two but it was one guys. at a time. Yeah, mm. two stunt guys, but one at a time. Uh, because
0: they only had one set of uniform, or, or yeah, yes, they only yeah. had they
2: could only afford one uniform, and I- in order to to hide that fact they had a gas mask on him so you couldn't see the face mm. and uh and then we we took all the takes basically and then populated scenes with thousands ten thousands hundreds of thousands of this one guy and i think that it it was but i think um 90 of of uh the nazis you see in that bunker is one guy and then there was a
0: couple of Takes where this other guy stepped in. Mm.
1: He's a bit taller.
0: He's a bit taller. Yeah, <laughs> <coughs> and you, and you created a specific uh, plugin.
2: Y- yeah, once again in Nuke, uh, our compositing program, uh, there was a, a, a widget that we used to. Uh, or oh, was it in Houdini? No, Houdini. Houdini. Nazi
1: crowd toolkit. Yes, <laughs> that's right. It was a created widget by in. Joachim Olsson. Yes, yeah. that's right.
0: Yeah. Lovely. And, and then. Uh, you had another problem because of the backers.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of backers um, that gave different amount of money. And depending on how much money you gave, you could either get your name in the movie or a picture or an like an extra role or something like that. And it was, we got all of these at the same time. And it's like here, this needs to be in the movie. And it's not. Perfectly fit to the movie every time because if a backer sends a selfie of himself, mm. it's quite hard to get that working in the movie uh, at some place.
0: So where did you put? So
1: them? a lot of them are in the police station.
2: Yes, mugshots <laughs> <laughs> in the police station. Yeah.
1: there's a lot of pictures and mugshots and notes on the wall and stuff like that.
2: Graffiti and street in the street yeah. wall. I think even, are we allowed to say this, we even put a FIDO logo somewhere on the street. (laughs) I don't think we told David. I don't think we ever told David. I don't
1: think we told him. (laughs) There's also a compositing department uh, (laughs) text in the the end shot, I think. Yeah, the the sector.
0: Mm. If anyone out there uh, listens... Find that frame with the fighter logo and, and, and mail me the, the, the correct one. Uh, you might win some kind of prize. Yeah. We'll, we'll send something to you.
1: Yeah, but there was a lot of backers that needed to be in there. And it, it was kind of tricky to get them all in there. So it might look a bit weird sometimes, but mm. it's all for the greater good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you have a, a favorite shot in the film?
1: The T-Rex versus the eagle—that's <laughs> definitely my favorite. The one wow. you animated. Yeah, yeah, I animated that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's probably
2: my the favorite fights. too.
1: Yeah, wow. the, t- the tiny arm fight is amazing.
2: I think that's the, the one of the best gags in the film. Yeah. Where you see <laughs> of course,
1: you think that. Yeah, well, you made yeah, it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, well, yeah, no, I think it, it just uh, you get these two powerful beasts clashed together, and it ends up with this sort of sissy fight at the end. I think it's brilliant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. And there was actually one shot. There was one uh, one joke in the movie that didn't make the cut, which I'm so so sad about because it was my favorite like joke in the entire movie. It's hacking time, time.
2: Oh, that's I right! I love that joke
1: so much, and I, t- I like, I said that that phrase like a million times during the entire project. I think to every artist.
0: And they cut it out. And
1: they cut it out. I'm so sad. That was my favorite one. It was <laughs> it's so hacking
0: good. Hacking time, time. time. <laughs> but of all these, f- over 400 shots, which was the most difficult? To Old Boy. Old Boy. Old Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is that? It's
1: the the shot in the bunker where uh, Confury fights about 60 Nazis in one shot. It's, uh, it's a reference to uh, the Old Boy movie where mm. he fights a lot of guys in an alley. Uh, and I think, yeah, that was the absolute hardest. I looked at the numbers today and it took 96 man days to do.
2: It was an enormous 1960s. undertaking.
1: Yeah.
2: I think it was because it was uh, so artificially constructed. Mm-hmm. It was basically built with with well, takes that were slided along left and right, all in nuke. It was uh, it was an enormous uh, scene to to handle. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it was a lot of the Nazis were shot separately and not yep. at all in context to what Confuria was doing. Uh, so it was tricky to get them working together and like right. making him actually kill every one of them yes, in and... a <laughs> sort of <laughs> realistic way, or not realistic, but logical way.
2: And then we had to re-time on a frame-by-frame basis to make the punches seem snappier or more powerful or quicker or more accurate or something like that. It was...
0: It was a lot of work went into that. Confused was a huge hit on the internet when it when it was released. Did you expect that? Did you expect the success of it?
1: I think I I did actually. There it was contains, so much
0: built up
2: around it. Yeah, exactly. So it, much hype.
1: Yeah, yeah, so much hype. And it also has like every ingredient that like my generation that grew up like during eighties nineties uh that we had so it was so many references and it brought up everything that we we love about all these movies and it was i think that was the thing it was like it's more is more mm-hmm. it was containing everything, so you could you could always find something in the movie that you like, even if you don't like the entire thing you have a favorite sequence or shot or character or whatever you can find something that that you like in it.
2: And I think it's riding on a wave of 80s nostalgia that is so strong now because the people who were teenagers and and children in the 80s are now in the workforce and they're the ones sort of influencing the the society and culture now. Mm. And you can still see that now last year, was it two years ago that Stranger Things came out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That
2: was an 80s nostalgia trip and then even like Yesterday, I saw this—a trailer, a, a rehack trailer of a, a Thor film that was redone in the 80s style. Oh yeah, yeah I saw that one.
1: <laughs>
2: and th- this is still going on now. People are really interested in 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 the eighties and and everything that was that influences where we are now.
0: What, what, what is so appealing with the 80s time?
2: I, I think it reminds us of our childhood. Mm. Yeah. In 10 years' time, it's going to be the people who were children in the 90s mm. and God knows what they're going to bring up oh then. Oh, God, I don't even And then <laughs> it's, it, it happens all the time. <laughs> and you could see it 10 years ago. There was like that sitcom, that 70s show. Yeah. And it happens. You have people who are children in a certain decade. Mm. want to relive that when they're adults themselves.
0: How did Kung Fury change uh, your studio? Is the time before Kung Fury and one after?
1: Absolutely.
2: Yes, I think it was one of the, if not the biggest show that we've worked on. Uh, And that really... Paved the way for us to think in, the, uh, deal with bigger productions. Yeah. How many shots yeah. were that, Matilda, in all up?
1: 400 shots. 400, 400 VFX shots. And I think about maybe 50 of them were omitted. So it was maybe 450 500 from the start. But 400 made the movie. I
2: think. Okay, it was definitely yeah. the biggest we've and ever we ever done. We did it
1: for nine months. Hmm. And uh, I think we were about 50 artists working on it. Uh, and it was it was huge. And it, our studio wasn't that big then. No. It was basically everyone mm. in the studio. Um, so we all like lived Kung Fury for nine months. And I think that was a huge thing. And just looking at how we got The Walking Dead that we're working on now, mm. uh, they actually called our front desk. Like, hi, we saw Kung Fury. Could you do something for us as well? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think there's a lot of eye-opening in the like, yeah. a lot of other uh, people in the business uh, noticed us after that movie, I think.
0: No, it, it was unique when it arrived, but, but, but were the other films, like, inspired by Confucius' success, followers or wannabes?
1: There was a lot of people that wanted to do something similar, mm. that got in touch after the movie.
2: They did. We uh, got lots of... Lots of people saying, "I've written this script. I have no money. Can you help us?" Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of uh, guys and girls sitting in their basement doing something they love and want to to do something similar as David did.
0: I assume that none of those scripts were were or visions were, were as good as as David, since you didn't work on any of those <laughs> projects. But but, but what, what what advice would you have for someone who? dreams about doing that same journey as David has
1: done? I think it's all about passion. Yes. David is so passionate about what he does and he drives it. He lives all of this. He does ev- everything he does is for this movie or this project. And he, he bets everything. Mm. He sold all of his furniture to get money to do it. He he lived this project for I think it was three years mm-hmm. and he did this like around the clock all the time and he was persistent and kept on going to people in the business and asking around and getting in touch with the right people and you need to, you need to be passionate I think because if you don't love what you do you don't have enough energy to make this happen mm-hmm. uh, so if you start from nothing you need to, you need to love what you do
2: I think there was also two things, two qualities of David that uh, that really shone through. Is one, as Matilda said, uh, is passionate, but he has to believe in himself. He believed that he could do this. Mm -hmm. And another thing was that he dared to do it. He dared to 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 fulfil this, and he dared to ring up David Hasselhoff, Mm -hmm. who who would think that someone from (laughs) uh, someone from northern Sweden. Would would convince David Hasselhoff to have such a key role in this entire production, mm. yeah. and and he dared to, and it paid off. And yeah. that those two qualities really helped this production.
1: Mm. Absolutely.
0: W- will there ever be a Kung Fury two? I think so. I think so.
1: He's working on the script right now. I know. I talked to him this like a month ago or something. So he's working on it, but he has a lot of other stuff going on as well. So I think he's trying to juggle everything. But he's in LA now, <laughs> meeting very important people. So <laughs> I think it's definitely going to happen. I think he he wants to do uh, a feature film about mm. Kung Fury. And I think that if he wants to do it, he's going to do it. He's that determined. So I hope it's going to be a Kung Fury too.
0: Yeah, fingers so yeah, crossed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Great. So, time's up for today. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you out there, as usual, you can see all the things we talked about at the Goodbye Kansas website, GoodbyeKansasStudios.com, and mail us if you have any questions or feedback or anything. In our next episode, our 10th episode, we'll go where no man has gone before. We're going into deep space and talk space VFX. Follow us across the galaxy. Until next time, goodbye. Auf Wiedersehen. wie